Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh Lindsay. Hello, Christian. How are you? Very good. And sitting next to Christian is our trusty, dusty, research extraordinaire, push-and-button guy, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey, Hello. Jason. So speaking of Jason... <laughs> Uh, in between recording our podcast, Jason brought up something interesting called script notes. It seemed related to what we were talking about. Jason? Yeah, it's so funny. Like, we end talking about something, <laughs> and Jason's like, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, I thought what you were saying where it's interesting. Tell me what script notes is, and tell me why that relates to what we were talking about last time. So, script notes is a podcast that's been going on since, I believe, 2011. Uh, started by John August and Craig Mazin. Uh, Craig Mazin uh, wrote the Chernobyl uh, miniseries on oh, I HBO. I just started watching that. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's phenomenal it's and really horrifying. Really horrifying, <laughs> but yeah, very well made. Yeah, so Craig wrote that. Um, obviously, he hadn't written it when they started the podcast. And John August is best known for. Uh, Big Fish, and gosh, he's, he's done a bunch of stuff. Um, and so these two guys have been doing a podcast since 2011. And uh, I've been a big fan of theirs. I just recently bought their premium uh, script notes, so I could go back and listen to some of their very first ones they recorded, which are actually locked away in a vault. Hmm. And so I've been listening to these first ones from like 2011, 2012. And John August was talking about how back before he was a paid writer, one of his first jobs was at TriStar as a reader. And so he spent a good amount of his time reading scripts and writing coverage for them. And do you guys know what coverage is? Yeah, it means basically it's a summary of the script so that people can know what it is without having to read the long version. Yeah. So he would read all these scripts and say, here's what's happening in the script. And he would hand that over to other people who got to make decisions. And he learned very quickly what makes a script good and what makes a script bad. And so he learned a lot through that process, and he says that's a, a huge part of why he was able to become a writer. And so I thought that was really interesting going off of what you were saying where you're, you're talking to all these consultants and everything, and the, a big thing that you can do to try to learn and grow is also to watch great films, great documentaries if you're making a documentary, great fiction narratives if you're making a fiction narrative, but also to watch bad ones. And see how you could improve them. Say, this is what I would have done differently. This is how I would have taken this movie that got two stars on IMDb or I got a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. And how would I fix it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that could be a little bit dangerous if you start, like, doing that about Star Wars. People will get mad at you. But uh, (laughs) if if you do it with uh, other films that – and and generally keep it to yourself and and figure out, like, okay, how would I fix this? And don't be loud about it or anything. Just – How would you fix it? And do it quietly. Do it all the time and you'll improve. And so um, Christian, you were telling us a little bit about um, some consultants who you've been talking to Mm -hmm, recently mm -hmm. who are really experienced, really good. Uh, Can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah. I just cannot stress enough how important it is to have a trusted group of of advisors. And I've had that from the beginning. Corey John Johnson is one of our consultants. He was in Band of Brothers, Saving Private Ryan, Captain Phillips. He's got a huge resume in film and video and uh, or film and TV. And Sandy Gordon is another who's a phenomenal producer. Nicole Bernardi Reyes here in Chicago, another great one. So these people, I brought them on early on as I developed my ideas and needed some help. And then as we've gone through in the process, I've come back to them each time. This week, I had two really interesting calls. Actually, today, uh, the first one is with a guy named Michael Kaplan. 
um, I asked you to look him up. I'm going to let you read because I don't want to make a mistake. But tell us about Michael Kaplan. Uh, So Michael Kaplan is an independent film director, producer, and educator. Uh, In 2015, he was one of 10 Chicago filmmakers commissioned by the Chicago International Film Festival to create an original short film that would play before films throughout the event. Uh, And I believe he's also a professor at Columbia. He is, yes. And he's got a focus on documentary screenwriting. uh, Cinema, arts, and science department at Columbia College. He is a very talented guy, filmmaker in his own right, great teacher. And I've met him at Chicago um, International Film Festival Industry Days. And he has this uh, film in development. It's about Hitler's, uh, I think, well, you have to look it up. Go to Montrose Pictures. Yes, he's the owner of Montrose Pictures, but he has this really interesting uh, film in development about Hitler and um, Unity and Love. That's it. Read that title. I love it. Unity Mitford, the well-bred daughter of England's Lord and Lady Reddensdale, and one of the famed Mitford girls, developed a romantic obsession for Adolf Hitler and set out to win his heart. So I saw that, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's really interested in obscure World War II stories. So I reached out to him a long time ago when I first started and just asked him if he would consult on this film. So he's watched the film about three times now, met with me several times, and today he looked at the last iteration of our cut and looked at it critically and told me, he had a problem with the multiple endings. He had a problem with um, the, the length that he felt like we needed to shave off 10 minutes more. And he gave me his list of notes, and I was able to push back on a few things and give him explanations for why things were there and told him how it was playing with our audiences. And then I was able to take in uh, you know, something that he told me that I thought had a lot of merit, take it to Bill, and us try to figure out how we could take his notes and rework those. So he was invaluable because he just knows what he's talking about story-wise, flow-wise, time-wise. And then I asked if I could have a little bit more of his time and I talked to him more about where we are in the process of what to do next. I'm thinking a lot about, I'm sort of beyond the what are we, how are we going to make this film. Now I'm thinking about what am I going to do with this film? And I think most, as as a young filmmaker, I came into this thinking there is a predetermined path. You make this film, you go to film festivals, then you get distribution. And that's not how it works these days anymore because of the internet and because of self-publication and because of all the streaming services. There are many different ways to take your film to the next level so that people can see it. So there's not one prescribed way. And I was asking Michael his input on that. And he did say that I was right. You, there are multiple roads. You have to decide which road you're up for. Are you tired of this film? Are you out of money? Are you really just wanting to be done and move on to something else? <laughs> uh, do you want to see if it has film festival potential? Do you care about the awards? Do you just want to go ahead and sell it so that you can start generating income? What What do you want to do with your film? And I was like, well, what did you do with your films? What, you know, what do you recommend? And I think it is different in every situation. Some things I learned today that I didn't know is that you can have distribution locked up and still go to film festivals. You can 
there are big film festivals like Cannes or Sundance that'll say, we have to be the world premiere of your film before you can even enter. There are other film festivals that say they don't care. They'd rather have you at the end after you've submitted it and seen how it's done at other film festivals. Um, but it was a, sort of a relief to have him say, really, you have to decide what you want. If you go the film festival route, it's a, it could be another year or more yeah. sitting with this film, promoting this film, working on this film. Um, you could, if you know, if have if you have a distri- distributor, you could make that deal and basically let them do most of the work for you. So that was incredible. You know, talking about having advisors, they are just indispensable to me, in my opinion. And the other thing that's indispensable is one of the things that I've been so blessed with is a team around me that is constantly thinking about marketing, and our social media team has been phenomenal about having us create our own original content in order to generate buzz or to keep people's attention and things like that. And everywhere we've gone with these screenings, we've needed to send out a press release or make something, an invite, so that we can tell people about it. And in doing that, um, I was challenged to send out our press release to specific industry magazines or um, periodicals that would be interested in covering our story. So when we happened to be going to Washington, D.C., I remembered that I went to the Catholic University, which is in Washington, D.C., and perhaps maybe I could get them to cover my screening. So I sent them a press release, told them I was coming, and it happened to be right before Veterans Day, and so they were very interested. A woman by the name of Ellen Woods spent a lot of time with me on the phone, asked me for some pictures, came to the screening, and wrote a fabulous article for Catholic University Magazine, which I thought no one read, but apparently I was wrong <laughs> because I got a call from a Gold Star mom who was really touched by what we were doing, made a donation, and wanted to partner with me in some ways. Wow. Um, I got a call from a guy who just read it and saw the trailer and picked up the phone because he was so moved and talked to me about it and then made a donation. And then I got an email yesterday from a man by the name of David Patterson, who I'd never known, but apparently we went to school together. (laughs) And uh, he graduated, or he was there the same year I was there as a freshman. And I had never remember meeting him. I'm sure we probably had a class together. But he read the article in the CU magazine and wrote me and said, I hear you're uh, interested in film festivals. I'm on the board of a couple. I'd love, you know, if you want to submit, let me know. And I was like, can I please talk to you tomorrow? (laughs) What's your phone number? So anyway, I emailed him. He's willing to talk to me today. I was so honored. And I would love to share with you a little bit about David Patterson. Do you have his uh, stuff up, Jason? I do. Uh, So David Patterson is an American screenwriter, actor, and producer. Um, And this is interesting. We were talking about this earlier, and I just read through it as we were were talking here. Uh, He is actually the inspiration for Bridge to Terabithia. So his childhood friend when he was eight years old was struck by lightning and killed oh my gosh and they and his mother ended up turning that into the children's novel bridge to terabithia i did not know that and then he helped adapt it into a screenplay but he's also a playwright um and so he's done a lot of incredible things he's on the board of two film festivals savannah film festival and big apple uh film festival um so yeah seems like a very very interesting guy so 
you know, I talked with him today, and he was fascinating. Um, he His career was interesting and definitely not the normal, where he went to Catholic University, same reason I did. It was a great theater school, and he was going to be an actor. I think he'd been acting since he was 13. And then he took time off and went with the National Players, which is the tour company that I also toured the U.S. with. Then he went to RADA in London and became a stuntman. And (laughs) then he came back to the United States, finished college at Catholic U, and was going to be an actor in New York. And then he goes up there, I think, falls in love. And sorry, David, if I'm getting this all wrong, but falls in love (laughs) and then was going to, uh, I think, be a – then I think he got another tour for another year. And comes back, and 9-11 happens. And so he loses a cousin in uh, the Twin Towers, and then he became a, started rescuing people, I think, for a couple of days down at Ground Zero. So that kind of changed a lot of things for him. And then he got married and decided to be a stay-at-home dad and write plays and scripts. Wasn't getting an agent or getting picked up, so he thought, well, I'm going to make my own thing. And he made his first um, film, Love Ludlow, which he's like, ah, yeah. And I heard about some film festival in California called Sundance. Like, he didn't even know it was in Utah. (laughs) And um, he submitted to it, and he won. And so I think that was quite shocking for him. But that led to Bridge to Terabithia. And so all of that to say, he has a lot of experience, um, I think, wisdom in the industry, a good work-life balance, and... He said that he really was engaged with my trailer and was able to answer a lot of these questions about, is it wise to do film festival screenings? Is it, uh, should I just go straight to distribution? How do I handle, you know, have the screenings I've already done sort of broken the, if you screened your film, you can't show it in a film festival. Mm. So the answer to that was, he said, no, you have not been in a film festival. You have been doing focus group screenings. It's different every time. You haven't been charging admission. And it is important how you talk about what you're doing. You know, you don't go say, oh, yeah, we premiered and blah, blah, blah. If you really haven't, you know, we're still working on it. So he also really encouraged me uh, to look at film festivals that will fit with my genre and with my audience and so I was just super encouraged after getting off the phone with him. He said he was he would offer me $500 donation if I promised to use it toward entering a film festival. <laughs> no strings attached. And I was like, how about strings attached? How about I send you the film, you watch it, you tell me what you think, and how about you come on board and be one of our consultants? So uh, he was interested in that. And so that's, for me... It's huge because I think having somebody in your corner who knows what they're talking about is always a good thing. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, so. That's really cool. I think, yeah, one of the neat things of the journey is just uh, not just the World War. You talk a lot about the World War II veterans you've you've met um, and their families, but then just in the film industry, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Incredible connections, you know. It's been super. It's been a huge education all the way around. And the interesting thing is when you actually get up and do something. Right. It propels you forward. And I think I think a lot about what he did, which is he's going to make his own destiny, kind of what I did, not on purpose. I didn't say, oh, I'm going to be a filmmaker, so I'm going to go make this film and, you know, have my work life out, had out, set out for me. But by just saying, I have to tell the story, I'm going to tell the story no matter, you know, c- 
come what may, it has opened up a whole world for me that I never knew existed or would be my destiny, really. Right. You couldn't have planned this path. No, mm-mm. But, man, has it been a great ride. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about this early on, but, you know, if you want to write, write. If you want to make a film, make a film. You know, you got to, like you said, get up and do Just do it. Something. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, all right. Well, this has been a great podcast. So uh, before I wrap up, did you want to add anything else? <laughs> That's always a good question to ask me. Uh, We're still looking for donations. We have a screening coming up on January 12th. You sign up on the Wheaton Library, but you can get all that information at normandystories.com slash screenings. We are still looking for volunteers to help us in social media and administration. And the screening after January 12th is February 6th in Arlington Heights, Illinois. You sign up there on our website. And, yeah, follow us on social media. So that's about all I have for today. Rock and roll. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, and sign up for our newsletter at Normandy Store. Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.